Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Doom and gloom is always easier to be wrong with doom and gloom than it is to paint a flowery picture and be wrong because you set expectations for people and you, you almost let them down when you're trying to be like more of a bull, maybe like what I try to do. But it's harder to do and I think it's the more right thing to do. Tell people where it is to put their money versus be doom and gloom and say, where, you know, go do this and don't keep more than two weeks of cash in the bank like that one guy was saying. Stupid shit like that's not going to make you successful or rich. It's just going to make you paranoid. going on guys welcome into today's show of money moves i am back from the great canadian you know north be a decent show this week <laughs> i'm fired up i am excited we have been like spending all kinds of time before recording going over all the crazy stuff that has been happening literally like today so much like stuff has ago. just happened minutes within the last 15 minutes of us start as always, I'm your host, Mattie, my co-host and brother, Mr. Brian Breedwell. What we cover all things stocks, real estate, investing, and personal finance to help you on your wealth-building journey. If you are new to the show, don't forget to subscribe. Uh, we've been getting some love from you guys lately, and I greatly appreciate it yeah. by dropping a review and or texting um, the text line 844-447-1555. If you have not taken advantage of your free financial x-ray from mm -hmm. Ryan and his amazing team, they will go through your entire financial portfolio, comb through it, oh. make sure you're not getting overfeed based on your goals, what you're trying to achieve, that you're actually allocated and aligned with that plan. And if not, they also simultaneously will build out a plan that they believe could be more aligned with that. Or they'll just tell you, hey, you're rocking and rolling. Keep it going. And you can take advantage of that again, x-ray. X-R-A-Y to 844-447-1555. And for all my accredited investors that want to get on my deals list, know about my opportunities that I put out only to this Million of Minecast family, you do have to be accredited. Uh, you can text the word deals to that same phone number. Don't forget to check out millionofmindcast.com, all the great stuff that we got going on. And it is Q4, y'all, October 1st. Can't believe how fast this year has rolled around and we are in the home stretch. So if you haven't gotten your Rich Life Planner, uh, we've got the large and the small ones in the store available sale for you to gear up for a strong Q4 and obviously setting up 
an awesome 2024. All right, man. Let's just dig in today. Yes. The number one thing that just like Smack hit us dab happened first time since 1876. What what did it was it was it that it just said and forty or the shortest serving 50. House Speaker since 1876. Kevin McCarthy just got removed within the last couple minutes of us recording this podcast. Got voted out. I definitely did not see that coming. I mean, I know Matt Gates was like people. I didn't think he had people don't moment. like him. He's kind of what do they call? It's like him, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Lauren Boebert, the kind of the... They call them the something. They're like the misfits, you know, the, of of the, you know, GOP, he got, essentially. He got, he got enough votes, and it had to be bipartisan because... Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to see if I can pull up more info on where that came out from, but... Yeah, that was in, that was a, that was more surprising than uh, anything. And then he just listened to that snippet of his um his closing remarks. I'm sure McCarthy was there... I don't know if he was or wasn't there. Man, that is freaking insane, though. A motion to vacate. They pushed him out. And essentially, that was kind of... He knew he was going to have to tightrope that entire term because that one main agreement of him getting in there because there was that historical amount of voting over and over and over again to just affirm him into that position was, we can remove you for any reason at all that we want if you don't do what we think you should be doing. And he agreed to that. So he kind of put himself in that position in terms of being a little bit exposed. But I didn't think we would see it this quick. That was fast. And obviously, with the government shutdown... Who's going to reply? I think they extended that. They did. Yeah. I don't remember the details on it, but I remember on Saturday... Okay. I, I was... I've, I've been in the great Canadian I, north in the backcountry, so I've been a little I could unplugged. be wrong, but I don't know if it's... Or only a small portion of the quote-unquote government is shut down. It's not. It's nothing that's too serious. Uh, fiscal markets are still, or financial markets are still moving fine. There's no. There's no. Yeah, it's not going to be like a complete services. shutdown. No. But I know they've been pushing hard to make sure that funding for Ukraine continues to go, whether there's a shutdown or not. And I think a big part of the Pentagon made that statement saying that, hey, we know we're, we need to slow down. We had to slow down funding for Ukraine because we don't even have the ability to replenish our own weapons for our own troops. They didn't, I don't think, said that, but they said that they just were running out of funding for Ukraine. Lord, how much freaking money are we spending over there? Well, it's definitely a lot. If I can pull it up really fast, I believe it was. Pentagon warns Congress it is running low on money to replace weapons sent to Ukraine and has already been forced to slow down resupplying some troops. Yeah, I mean, not good that they're not resupplying, but I mean, also not bad that they're not resupplying. I, it's a hard... I just don't get how billions like and billions, and billions, and billions want, of dollars just... I definitely want Ukraine to fight so quickly. Russia, I definitely want Ukraine to win. Yeah, no Absolutely. Doubt. Whoever fights Russia, I want them to, mm -hmm. to to win. It's a proxy war, essentially. Like when I watch UFC, I'm like, oh, Russia versus <laughs> you just Ubongo. by default. I'm like, I'm in Ubongo. And the Russians are freaking good all the time. Those so they're they're so damn they're good. So, but yeah, that's that's literally any anybody against Russia. I'm I'm down for that. Um, it just feels like it's a little there's it's pretty messy on how it's going on. Man, we spent quite a bit of money, like a lot. I don't even know if we spend this amount of money on when we're in war. So that's where I'm like, what the heck? But anyway, I, I, that one, I don't, I don't know how to touch that. I don't feel good about it. I don't feel 
confident that all the money is going where it says it's supposed to be going. But I do think that making sure Russia doesn't invade another country and then move on to another country, because I think that's kind of like what Hitler did. People were like, oh, he won't do this. Oh, okay, well, he won't. It was just Poland. He won't do that. And then it just kind of yeah. escalated and, and went from there. So I digress. Another interesting topic that was mainstream news this week. I'm curious on your thoughts on this. Florida law allowing death penalty in child rapes to take effect. Absolutely. My man, Mr. DeSantis, is going in the hard. The thing is that I, I feel like that people don't understand is they're going to get killed anyway. It's just a little more... Hum- they'll get killed in prison unless they're on 24-hour lockdown and they're still probably going to get killed if they're ever run. Because people in the prison population don't take kindly to I was crimes having, against children and kids. I was having this conversation with my wife, Marie, last night. Um because I don't know if you saw Andrew Tate came out with... Yeah, I saw that on the London Bridge thing. The yeah. video of it was a, a young woman got stabbed to death, raped and stabbed to death by somebody out in public. And it was a, it was a criminal and they got released. That's, that's a whole other story. But essentially, it was like, anybody that does those kind of acts to kids, like they need to be hung. They need to be like... They need to be made an example of. Like back in the day, right? You got stoned out in public. You got hung out in public. And obviously, we don't do that anymore. Yeah. But I was like, I don't know if I'm against that. Yeah. The, when you, like when, when, you, when you talk about like doing some of that kind of stuff, you know, the, the pedophile shit, all the stuff that goes on with kids. Like, I know that if somebody did to my kids, I would have no problem. I, I would legitimately kill somebody. I mean, I'd... I'd I, think I would. That, I think that the only people that are worried about that should ask themselves why they're worried about that. Because those type of people, you know, you should, you don't need to, like, that's just not something you, that's an area that is like off limits, you know, kids. Marie was like, I, I couldn't do that because then that makes you just as bad as they are. And, you know, there was kind of like that philosophical debate. And I was yeah, like, Yeah, but I'm saying if there's a punishment set up for it, I think that that's fine. I think it would I, deter it. Yeah. And I think that it would, quite deter, deter quite a bit um, in in areas or countries where there's very high punishment for that kind of stuff. Those just, crimes are very few and far happen. between. I will tell you, I have I don't support Saudi Arabia or anything like that. But if you look at how much crime is over there, it's it's zero to to almost next to none because the type of punishment very they do is insane. Very and so everybody is that's that's governing out of fear, which you should not do. Yeah, that's that's but a, that's a just, tough debate. For just to, sure. just to give it, just to show an extreme example of if you apply enough, that is too much. But if you pl- were to apply enough of a consequence, I think that people would, you know, balance that versus saying, "Oh, hey, I'm just going to claim I'm mentally ill and then I'll just go to a mental yeah uh, mental health facility." Yeah, I I couldn't. It's easy easier said than done, right? That you would I would want to kill somebody for doing oh, something sure, to a sure. family member yeah. but man i mean these, i know immediately these kind of probably get that emotion absolutely but you know these kind of laws and, and penalties in place i'm all for i'm excited that you know the death penalty for a child rapist under the age of 12 is you know something that's getting rolled yeah, out i, I think found that, that that's warranted very interesting in other news papa pal is officially the fed is officially on Instagram and threads and threads. Yeah. Which I is... found it. I sent you the message. I thought it was interesting that they're on all meta and Facebook, which is liberally associated platforms versus they're not on X or Twitter. Yeah. I think, you think that there's was a, done something by... to look into around That's, that. That was probably 
by design? Not coincidental. Yeah, I think that... So does that mean that the Fed is associated with a more left-leaning or elitist agenda? I think that the current... I think that if we had the prior administration in, that they might even be on true social. I just think it's the current It's just who... Yeah, I think it's the environment. Well, and that, that administration is very well known for having ties and influence to large social platforms. So that, that makes sense. Yeah. But either way, I think it's going to be cool to see a little bit more... How, how are they going to approach in terms of the Fed and the central bank dispersing information out a little bit more um, frequently and publicly to you know people that aren't going on right? Fred websites and all these, these fed websites to dig in on the data. Like how are they going to make it into layman's terms for more people to jump on board and understand what the fed is doing and how that, you know, might impact them. I'm excited to see what they put out. They should definitely be on X though, because they would get more exposure, but they're, I think they're making whoever they are making a statement by not being. Yeah, absolutely. So some big reports that came out this week, some big reports that are coming out this week. Yes, Friday. Talk to me on what you are seeing this week based on some of the reports that have already come out with jolts and job openings. We've got some inflation. Yeah, we had PCE, ISM. PCE last week, ISM this week, ISM, uh, which is the manufacturing index, was back up to the 49% range, which is still contracting um, for the month of December, anything below 50% is considered a contraction. But moving from 46, I believe, 0.2 on that index to 49% is a good jump, um, almost a 10% move. And that is indicative that manufacturing is picking up or the manufacturing side of our uh, economy is picking up. Uh, PCE last week came in much cooler than expected, uh, which is the producer cost expenditure. So that's kind of like what we get passed down to us as a uh, as consumers and also food and um, well, food inflation costs. Um, if you remove energy and shelter, we're down again month over month. So that's also uh, news. Today, we had a hot jolts report, which is a job openings. Yeah, the number of job openings increased to 9.6 million on the last business day of August. Uh, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported over the month, the number of hires and total separations changed little at 5.9 million and 5.7 million with separations, quits, 3.6 and layoffs and discharges, 1.7. So a little bit hotter than that was expected. expected, right? Yeah, and that set the market uh, down about one and a half, one point six percent 1.6%, which nothing that I, you know, with the, that data coming out, not to be unexpected, but it didn't move... The Fed futures rate um, moved at five percent down uh, towards uh, hikes versus away from. So on uh, on the lines. next FOMC, the percentage of a pause is sixty nine percent chance they pause and thirty one percent chance of a hike. I think it was the gal. I forget what her name is out of the Cleveland Fed. I think it's Cleveland. Was yeah. she was like lobbying for more hikes. Yeah, but she keeps saying, if warranted, excuse me, if warranted. And I don't know if it's warranted. What would warrant additional hikes based on what data might come out? Because um, they floated food, it out there. Food a couple costs times. going up, 
uh, unemployment continuing to go down, which we have an un- unemployment report coming out again. We want that to go up a little bit. Yep. I just think if we get a good jol- uh, not jolts, good uh, non-farm payroll around the 150, 155 range or lower, that would even be better. And we get unemployment to the mid to 4% range, that's going to give the Fed what they want to continue to ease off and go towards that. And where is unemployment still low or high, 3. high threes, right? 3.8%, which is historically very low. We normally run, I believe, around the 5% range. Now, Larry Fink of BlackRock came out and said he expects higher inflation and that fragmentation of supply chain is just the beginning. What were your thoughts on that? Because obviously, like you said, right, a lot of the data is is pulling back in the right direction for the most part, but there still is some areas of inflation that are running hot. Shelter and energy. Yep, and yeah. that's those are the that's two, two big ones. Well, they, they remove them because they're so volatile. So that's kind of also something to keep in mind of why maybe they're high right now, but won't be for too long. Yep. So with the data that is going to come out this week with non-farm and private payrolls, obviously there's oil that has kind of been a topic it's right now that yeah. is running really hot. Not due to inflation though, that's just due to supply crunch. Um, and... and that's an OPEC thing when OPEC kind of decided they were going to cut the supply that's going to, you know, remove barrels of oil from the marketplace and make the current barrels that are sitting there more valuable. Um, so that's what's going on there. I don't, I don't know how much more oil will go up, but if it continues to go up, I think it'll go up by a lot. And if it doesn't, I think it'll stagnate out and go back to the $7 barrel range. But I, I, there, it, it could continue to go up, especially with us having winter right around the corner. People use oil a lot more to heat their homes. They stay in, inside more. They cook more. They use their gas stoves more. Uh, they use their fireplaces more. I know I was using mine the other night. So that is natural gas. Yes, not not you know what we're crude oil or anything, but just an idea of uh, what's going on in that uh, neck of the woods. I, I'm not concerned if oil continues to go up. As long as other areas don't follow suit, because it can, it, it's allowed to be volatile by nature. Just other areas like food prices and things like that to continue to moderate and go. Now, we've had this, what feels like Groundhog's Day on every conversation of recession, recession, no recession, recession, recession. GDP is projected and forecasting in a positive direction. Yeah, 3.5%, 3.3 to 3.5 is my forecast for uh, Q3. Now, there's obviously a lot of other things around debt and sure. you know student loan forgiveness. Mm-hmm. and uh, Right, we can go down the list and we've been talking about this for a while. Peter Schiff came out with a comment today that I'd love your response to it. The financial crisis that's about to hit is easier to forecast than the one that hit in 2008 as it'll be much larger and do more damage to the economy. That means the more obvious a looming financial crisis is, the harder it is for Wall Street or the Fed to see it coming. So he's basically saying, you, the Fed, people are seeing this recovery through rose-colored lenses. Again, we know his stance and his perma bear position. Mm-hmm. Is there something that could be, and he's saying a depression with a financial crisis far larger and more destructive than the one the Fed caused in 2008? I don't know. I mean, I, uh, 
stocks just don't go up or the market like doesn't just go up and up and up and just keep going up and up and up and up. And when it does go up for these periods of time, for long periods of time, like it did this year, uh, corrections like kind of what we're going through now or pullbacks that are heavier than normal happen. And that's to reprice things back into more reality. Things go up very fast and you know, whatever goes up must come down. Yeah. Type deal. Um, this exact um, pullback too happened last year. And it's funny that like people forget like all about that. Yeah, right. Um, we're not seeing uh, lows from that time, you know, in the 38, 3700 zone on the S&P. I just think that a pullback was kind of necessary and is going through that right now based on what's happening. Mm-hmm. I didn't forecast a pullback. I'm just saying if it's happening, it's happening because of the data that's coming out. Yep. But there's good data to, that's coming back and it goes back up and then it goes down. So that's the con, that's kind of choppiness or consolidating, moving up and down in a sideways yeah. uh, fashion. Because um, th- he keeps throwing out depression, like not a yeah, mere but, recession, a depression. And he thinks at the rate that bond prices are collapsing, that it's going to come sooner than later. Bond prices, I don't know. That's the thing where I don't understand what he's referencing because yields have been around the same for the past couple weeks. We have actually had a little bit higher yield on the tail end. Front end of the curve, which actually I believe down today, the two-year was down. Um, so I'm not sure what he's talking about there. That doesn't make sense to me when he says the, the, that about the bond market. The bond market's pretty doing, it's taking in a lot of money because yields are pretty high. So mm-hmm. people are trying to get in on those coupon rates. Yep. People also are getting into fixed income because it's a decent time because they feel like it's towards the end of the rate hiking cycle. Then the next thing after hikes and pause is cut. And when bond or when yields are cut or interest rates are cut, that inversely is correlated to bonds prices and they go up. So um, that also, I think, is a reason that people are piling into bonds or just choosing bonds um, differently. You have to remember bond issuers are having to have more competitive coupon rates on investment grade uh, debt and high yield debt because money market accounts are paying over 5%. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't somebody just go into a money market? Right. Market, right? So... Those are the conundrums, but depression or that, that's kind of nonsense. People that have a lot more money than Peter Schiff, but just don't quite have the base or are putting money into the market. So I, I don't know if I fully. He keeps talking about the Fed has arrived at an ominous fork. No matter which path it takes, it leads to an imminent disaster. And again, guys, take all this with a grain of salt, right? right? We, we love to beat up these theoretical concepts from all different angles just to see where we think there's some validity to it, right? And you making your own conclusions. So that way you have the ability to potentially mitigate some risk, check some downside, but you'll hear Ryan and I talk about it. And obviously this is your world more than mine, but I'm the same on the real estate side, which is, you know, I'm the same all... people are, that are, are tooting that horn, like the Peter Schiff's in your real estate world, the same people that are saying that there's going to be a crash in real estate prices. But I And they I, did many times before that I kept investing through those seasons. I was a little bit more cautious. Yeah, but there's just not enough supply to warrant that. And that's where like <clears> there's more to the story than just what... If it was as... Here, I'll put it this way so, so everybody can digest this. If it was as easy as watching headline news or just listening to somebody talk, me, Matt, Peter Schiff, anybody that you follow on the news, then everybody would be a much successful, much more successful investor. And it simply isn't the case because it's not true. 
a lot of the times people are pushing what I always say is their bag. So I bet you if I go look at his funds, he's heavily positioned in gold and heavily positioned in cash. So that's what he believes. Just like I'm going to say what I believe. Um, one of us is right and one of us is wrong. or Maybe both of us are wrong. But um, doom and gloom is always easier to be wrong with doom and gloom than it is to paint a flowery picture and be wrong because you set expectations for people and you, you almost let them down when, you, when you're trying to be like more of a bull, maybe like what I try to do. But it's the more, it's harder to do and I think it's the more right thing to do. Tell people where it is to put their money versus be doom and gloom and say, where, you know, go do this and don't keep more than two weeks of cash in the bank like that one guy was saying. Stupid shit like that's not going to make you successful or rich. It's just going to make you paranoid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff that goes on in our world that's out of our control. And if we do live in a world that has, you know, some of the stuff that we consider conspiracy theories that end up coming true... We just don't have control over that kind of stuff. So you have to understand the rules, learn to play by them and win by them. Yep. And historically, there's a pretty easy and defined way to do it. And you keep your money in the stock market. You don't take your money out. You keep buying quality investments in the stock market. Don't take your money out. Get mad when you lose. It's just part of it. It's part you can't. of it. No. You can't. No. You can't say, oh, man, I'm going through a season of, of losses in my investment portfolio, be it whatever it is. And so now I need to change my plan. But losses are part of investing. It's always been the plan to take a loss and oh. not win all the time. And if you're playing long term, again, if you look at the law of averages on people who stay invested, the people who do it over a long period of time, they always come out ahead. I, I mean, I don't know anybody that has invested in the market over 30 years, stayed invested the entire time and had less money at Same the end of that 30 like real years. real estate. You could say if you bought one house a year for 30 years, yes, would you have bought higher and lower? Absolutely. Sure. You'd have 30 damn houses at the end of it. Yep. So it's, it's, that's where people again get lost in trying to make it, Hey, I don't want to, I want to do everything perfectly the best a hundred percent way. And I don't want to have any failure along the way. And that's just not reality of how life works. So ta- anything. talking a little bit about what you just to back up a tiny bit for people that are sitting on a bunch of cash and maybe are still following their plan a little bit. Is it a smart investment right now to potentially put it in? one of those accounts, yield the 5%, stay liquid, follow your plan? Or what is the difference of somebody sitting in cash versus going into, um, what'd you say? It was the... Uh, like a money market. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cash and money market funds are different, but they're, they're, they're both cash equivalents. Um, money market is going to invest in, th- in stuff like commercial paper, very short term. Treasury notes, treasury bills, very, very short term. And that's what's driving the yield in those instruments. Go look up commercial paper if you want what it is. Um, and those are what, right around 5% right now? Yeah, the one that I have for our clients, we pay, it's been 5.3, I believe. Don't quote me on that, but 5.3%, I believe, is around where it's paying. And those paying. are liquid at all times? Yeah, yeah, you just got to sell your shares. They go to cash, like FDIC insured cash, and mm-hmm. then you can send that to your bank account. Um, FDIC insured cash yield is a little lower at most institutions. You know, it's not a high yield savings account, so you'll still get between two and three percent on idle cash at most places. Um, money market funds pay dividends via shares instead of just cash. Got it. Um, and they also have SIPC insurance, Security Investment Protection Corporation, which is about 500000 versus the 250000 that you get with your FDIC. 
So those are the main differences. I, I see higher yield in money market traditionally than I do in regular FDIC insured cash. Not saying that a bank can't pay you more, just most of the time they don't. Yeah. So he, just to finish this thread out, as I've been warning, we are so early in the biggest bond market crash in US history. Every government, corporation, landlord, and family that has been relying on cheap debt to survive, which many have, in his assumption, will die. When the Fed tries to... Die? The debt to survive will die. When the Fed tries to save their lives, it will kill them with inflation. And then somebody responded back on his thread, you are the most pessimistic person on planet Earth. No, I'm just the most honest and the most common sense person. Investors still don't get that long-term bond yields are out of the Fed's control. Even if the Fed decides to pivot to prevent yields from rising too much rate cuts and a return to QE will cause the dollar to sink and inflation to soar. That scenario is bearish for bonds. How, how can, well, you can't be on two sides of the street because it was the same person bitching that the value of the dollar was going up and it's been going down. Dollar getting weaker uh, versus an anticipated getting stronger. Gold not going up. Gold's been going down a couple months. I just think the old way of doing stuff is not going to work anymore. And I think that I would be a little pissed off too if I didn't how to do it. How to take taking all that information? Yeah. So I I really think that uh, people like that should be taken at it with a grain of salt. Dan, um, uh, what's his name? Your Denny. Your Denny research is very good. Yep. They don't. They obviously have a bias towards um, a bullish sentiment. Yeah. But they call it as it. They see it. They're like, oh yeah, we were wrong, and this is why we were wrong, and this is what we can maybe improve on next time. But I would rely on that information more. And I there's a lot of analysts that are coming saying, hey, everybody was saying this the same time last year. Nobody thought the market was going to going to recover, and it recovered. And it ran for months, October, November. Jan- uh, December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, and in July we had the turnaround a little bit to yeah. where we are. So just markets don't go up in a straight line. It, again, it would be awesome if they did, but they don't. And it's important to remember that. Stick to your plan. Put more money into your investment accounts if you can. Set up insurance policies for save for yourself for a couple of years and then lend against them. Those are the ways that you can be successful and you know follow the noise of the crowd. And just be a part of what normal people experience, which is lackluster returns from lackluster decisions from lackluster investments. And we talked about this uh, in GoBundance this last, or it was maybe a week a week or so ago. There was kind of a, a a community-wide call and it had developers on it and had syndicators on it. And essentially, the sentiment that came out almost, I'm not kidding you, of the, I think the 40-ish developers that were on the call Almost every single one of them was losing money. Most syndicators were kind of like weather in the storm. Some had some deals going sideways or going bad. Like most people, when you're when the when the economy and the market is the way it is, you have to be okay with losing and not allow it to put you into a place of fear that you mm-hmm. go on your heels and start making even worse financial decisions, digging yourself into a deeper hole. And you just have to trust in that process, right? Like it really is trusting in the process, trusting in the plan, controlling the controllables, continue to put one foot in front of the other. And I mean, even if, you know, for a lot of companies, a lot of businesses are losing money this year, or they are barely breaking even, or they're barely turning a profit, right? Like 
this is just part of the game of money. It is yep. the cycles of money. It's the cycles of economics. And the more you can wrap your... Well, one, the more you can be in the game and go through more cycles, you understand it's a necessary part and evil, mm-hmm. an undesired part, but it's necessary to play the game of money. Yep. And it, again, it's it's not for the faint of heart, but that's why I have a job. And it takes discipline and a plan and a long term. People don't say long term, like 12 months. They're talking like 12, 15, 20 years before you make any changes or anything. And that's hard to do for a lot of people. But you have to have that foresight to see that that's what you have to do in order to be successful. Yep. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, This is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. Yeah, and when you look at the vehicles that allow you to build the greatest wealth, those vehicles often come with the greatest risk. Risk, They come with, you know, those are the... It's just not for the faint of heart. But if you want to be wealthy, you want to make money, you have to be willing to build that level of thick skin and tolerance for what it is that you're playing and going up against in opposition. And sometimes while you're showing up every day to try and win, you also are putting yourself in a position to know that you can lose too. And it's just, again, you just have to accept both sides of the coin in order to flip. So recently, and I'll dig into some housing data, housing data is still holding strong. I mean, I I personally think that housing, even if you're breaking even right now, is still the safest and one of the best stores of value long-term for wealth building and income generation. You've got, at least on the single family side, most of the market across the entire country. Now, there are some markets that have increasing inventory, days on market going up. You've got prices leveling out, if not pulling back a tiny bit. But in some markets, they're still going bananas. But the velocity at which the market is moving is just a lot slower, right? Fed has done a good job of slowing down people's purchasing power, the amount of houses that are actually transacting. So we've got, as of this 
week U.S. home prices increased year over year for the 139th consecutive month in August. Home prices are 42% higher compared with March of 2020 when the pandemic began. And August's annual 3.7% home price gain was the highest since February 2023. So when you look at like store value, security, safety in terms of an instrument, a, a, an asset, a vehicle that is probably most insulated right now, you've got single family houses. Now you're probably not going to get great cash flow out of those, right? It's going to be or, almost like your modern be, day bond. It'd be very expensive to get the money out. Correct. That is that's the, the that's, challenge. That's so the you, challenge. it's patient yeah. investments, right? But it is a good store and insulation of value and mitigation of risk. And then obviously commercial real estate is a whole nother realm, which we're seeing some distress starting to mount in certain areas of commercial real estate. And really, I think that's going to start to kick off here a little bit more aggressively um, in 2024. So good opportunities right now. I still think that, you know, it's the season to sell or finance. If you can't make, you know, money pencil by going to a bank, which banks, as much as they want to lend you money, they aren't and they can't at the level that you probably want to accept it at, right? Which is where it's that kind of standoff of... They'll uh, give you any amount of money you want, but the rate they're going to give it to you... And the terms at which they give it to you, you won't won't take it. You won't like. So I think, you know, if if you're somebody that has opportunities out there, I'm starting to do marketing mailers again. I'm starting to have more conversations with sellers and asset owners that are more open-minded to carrying paper. And if they really are motivated to make a deal or to, you know liquidate or they got to get out for some particular reason, there's ways of creating deals. And that's where I think a lot of people go, I need to find deals. There's deals all around you. If you can get two sides of the table to come to the table and get creative and create a deal together. Yes, there will be those highly distressed situations where you find the deal. But oftentimes, there's deals all around you. You just got to find two willing parties to get to the table and actually be able to negotiate those deals and seller finance is going to be that season that I think in five, 10 years from now, we look back on the next 24 to 36 months and the people in that next decade are going to be the ones that absolutely crush and 10x their wealth building using seller finance that will be opportunistic in a season right now where capital is just too expensive for most people to make deals pencil. So with that being said, curious on your guys' thoughts. If you got any questions, comments, shoot those in 844-447-1555. Again, if you guys want to dig in and take advantage of Ryan and his amazing team and what they're doing for all our Million or Mindcast listeners right now, uh, you can text the word X-Ray to that same phone number, 844-447-1555. Again, if you're not subscribed, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss the three weekly episodes we're dropping out for you guys. And all I ask, if you guys enjoy the show, just take 60 seconds, leave us a review. It means the world. And with that being said, don't forget to keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to a million and beyond. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you guys in next week's episode. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Money Moves. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. And if you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're going to get entered into win a $100 gift card. Also, Don't forget to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio. And to do so, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. What we have found by offering this out 
as most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective, or really in most cases, overcharged, and whether or not their current investment and financial plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish. And this is something that Ryan and his amazing team do for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that. Again, that's X-Ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you're an accredited investor and you're not on my deals list, be sure to text the word DEALS to 844-447-1555 to be notified of the private investment offerings my team and I put out. And last, don't forget to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family at MillionaireMindcast.com. Whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, mastermind events, calculators, the Rich Life Planner for those looking to take their goal setting and productivity to the next level. We've got all kinds of great and valuable tools available at MillionaireMindcast.com. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next week's episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.